You are listening to The Exchange. I am your host, Dr. Lorraine. Good morning, everybody. I have my beautiful friend and fellow counselor with me today, Natalie Berry, that I met a couple years ago when she was an undergraduate at Urshan College. And I'm so thankful she is going to be talking us talking to us all today about counseling children and teenagers. Welcome, Natalie. Thank you so much for being my guest on The Exchange. It's such an honor to have you with me. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So I wanted to jump right in, and there's so many things that um, I want you to tell about what you're doing and, and all the techniques and all this stuff. But first, I wanted you to talk to us about who you are, where you're from, and your family and your education and what you kind of do at your church and ministry. Of course. So I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. Um, I go to, um, it's now Brother Justin Gleason's church, but it was Brother Stan Gleason's church. And I was born and raised there my whole life. Um so I went, I got a bachelor's at um, Park University in elementary education. And then after that, I went to Urshan for a year where I went, met Lorraine, of course. And then after that, I decided to get my counseling degree. So I have my master's in counseling. And um, I also am working on my certification for play therapy as well. Um, and at church, I'm involved in a lot of things. Um, so I help with the music ministry. Um, I lead a Teen Girls Connect group, and I also, right now, I'm teaching Sunday school, um, K through fourth grade, so, yes. Very cool, and I, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to mention, I know you did do the music, but I have to say, Natalie is an amazing piano player, an amazing singer, so this girl has got, like, all the talent. She is smart, and <laughs> she's beautiful, and kind, and she is super, super, got all that music talent stuff going on, so, I am so glad to call her my friend. So we are going to start talking about, like I mentioned, counseling children and teenagers. And this is something, a subject that we have not talked about so far. And I know that many people have questions. We've talked about a lot about adults and, and how dealing with them and what kind of techniques and things that we do. Um, but since you are doing, you said play therapy certification um, and so, and there are other ways that specifically are for children. So what is the thing, first of all, that you love the most about counseling children and teens? Because not everybody can do that. It's not mm. something that people, everybody likes, but it has to be kind of be your thing. So what is the thing that you love the most about, about working with this age group? I love how fun counseling can be when you work, work with kids. Um, I also of the connections that you get to make with them. Um, they can be, kids are often overlooked in the counseling field. Um, not a lot of people like to specialize with them, um, but I love that they can come in and, you know, in a world where, you know, their, their life is scheduled out, like they have to be in school seven hours a day, you know, they're in extracurricular things, they're just involved in a lot. And this is the hour that they get to have like a special time to themselves and they can talk about whatever they want to talk about and work on whatever needs to be worked on. And I just think that's really special. Um, and yeah, you can make such a big impact in their lives um, for, you know, years to come. They'll always remember, you know, going to counseling and, and knowing that they were, you know, important and, and big in that room. Mm-hmm. 
So what is the age group that you see? Like how small or how young do you see children and how old are they? I would say the youngest I've seen is probably five. Um, And for like play therapy type things, it could go up to, depending on someone's developmental level, it could be a teenager. We're still doing like play therapy things. Um, so yeah, but I would say like five to 12 is really when I'm doing like the playing and, um, bringing in games and things like that. Okay. And do you see teenagers as well? Or is it just like little kids? Yes, I see teens and I also work with a few adults as well. And then I, I work with the parents of the children that come in. So a pretty, pretty wide demographic. Um, but most of the people I work with are, are under 12 or under 12. Okay. Very cool. So I wanted to know what are the five most common reasons that you see children or teens come in to the counseling session? Yes. So I think the first one is definitely anxiety. That is such a common one. Um, We always say that anxiety and depression are like the common colds of mental health. And so um, usually it's parent will come in and they're saying my, my child's scared to go to school or they get really nervous when they have to take a test or, um, you know, they're just really nervous in front of friends. And so, I mean, there's a lot of areas anxiety can pop up, but I would definitely say that that's a super common one, especially with teens too, because they have so much that they have to juggle. Like now they have a job and, and maybe they're taking some college classes too. So it can be a lot. Um, the second one is depression So it could be like, oh, my child is isolating or they just, they don't want to open up and share. Or I notice like they're not eating as much or things like Mm -hmm. that. And I would say I've I've definitely seen more teens with depression than kids. I think kids are, it's more common to have anxiety. Um, But yes, depression for for teens for sure is a very common thing Mm -hmm. that they're coming in to get help for. the third one would just be any type of trauma. So um, I worked with kids who have been in car accidents and um, they're just wanting to process like the fear, like they'll have a lot of triggers. Every time I get in the car, I'm scared. Um, mm-hmm. I've had, you know, teens that have come from the foster system and um, they've experienced a lot of trauma with that and with their family of origin as well before they got adopted. And so just processing traumas, which can look different for everybody, of course. Um, and then the first one would be anger, um, which is a lot of times with little kids, um, they, the parents will come in, they're like, they just get angry about every little thing. If I say no, you know, they'll have a big temper tantrum and I don't know what to do. I don't, they feel really hopeless. And so anger is a a huge one. When you work with kids, you're going to see a lot of, a lot of kids that, that don't know how to process their emotions because their brains just aren't there yet sometimes. And so they need a little bit more tools to help them. And then the last one is um, ADHD, which Mm. I see a lot with, with both kids, but also teens because they're at that age where schoolwork is getting more intense. And all of a sudden they're finding out I can't do my homework or my grades are slipping because I'm leaving assignments at home or I'm forgetting not to do homework. And so that's a really common one because sometimes people don't get diagnosed till later in life. And um, it's usually that age of like 13, 14. I'm in middle school now and I have more responsibilities and finding that, you know, my brain isn't 
isn't the same as everyone else's. And so learning tools to help them like thrive in school for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, that's really interesting to think about because I don't think a lot of people realize that those are things that kids like they deal with anxiety Mm -hmm. and anger. And, uh, you know, we, we hear a lot about ADHD, um, but I don't think that we realize, you know, that there is depression. I think depression among teens, definitely. But I think the anxiety for me is kind of a little bit surprising of like, okay, you know, kids, uh, young kids are, are dealing with those kinds of things, depression. And um, I think it's wonderful that you're able to um, to address children who have had some kind of traumatic event. And I think for me, I think maybe that was like the first thing that I kind of thought about when I thought about children but, you know, as you mentioned, there are so many other things um, that they come in for. So you are a licensed professional counselor. So you. Yes. So I'm PLPC. So I'm provisionally licensed, but it's, I have my license in the state of Missouri. I just still have to meet with a, um, a supervisor. So. Mm-hmm. And you yes. work at a, at a private practice. Yes, I work at out of a church um, where they have their own counseling center. And so it's like a nonprofit counseling setting. Um, But yeah, see a lot, a lot of people a year. I don't know the exact number, but we always have a wait list and there's a huge need for sure. So what are the approaches? And we already mentioned play therapy, but what approaches to counseling uh, this demographic are used the most? other than, you know, play therapy or the other sort of things that maybe you would use that you wouldn't use for adults? Yes. Yeah. Um, definitely. I know it kind of goes along with play therapy, but a lot of games, um, especially with teens, like even if they want if they want to talk, um, usually having like Uno or Jenga or something there that makes them feel less threatened and intimidated by sharing some really vulnerable things that they're going through. Um, I also like to do like some art therapy things where it's like draw out, um, draw up like how you feel inside or let's pick some colors that represent the emotions you're feeling. And it helps, um, especially kids, um, who don't really think very con or they think very concrete and they're not very big abstract thinkers quite yet. Um, it helps them kind of understand their feelings and in a way that is just, um, it meets their brain development for sure. Um, I know CBT is a huge one. I know you can work with adults. That's a huge um, type of counseling, but working um, using CBT with kids and teens is also huge too. And it looks a little bit different. You know, they're not just sitting on a couch and talking about their thoughts and behaviors, but, you know, you can play that out or um, you can kind of catch when they're playing out something. Um, Maybe there's somebody keeps attacking them or something in this play. And so mm-hmm. you can kind of stop them and say, well, what else would you want to leave instead of, you know, I keep getting defeated or, you know, I'm not good enough. And we can kind of switch that, that thought that they're having and they're showing through play. Um, and play therapy is so important because it meets a child where they are. And um, we always say, that's how I explain it to parents is that toys, the type of toys that your child chooses and how they play with it is really how they are communicating, how they feel on the inside. And so usually children, they can't sit down and tell you, you know, I'm feeling so angry because of, you know, X, Y, Z just happened in my life. And I am just angry and confused. They, they don't know how to vocalize that. And so instead you're going to see it in their play. Like maybe they're 
you know, there's a lot of like fighting and aggressive play. And so um, that helps me understand how they're feeling inside and, and we can give them tools based on what I'm noticing in the playroom. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I remember learning as far as like kids is that they, and I wanted to mention too, that you're mentioning is that kids don't have enough words. They don't have the vocabulary that adults have to express what they want to say. So maybe in their vocabulary, they don't have these big, like I'm annoyed or I'm Mm -hmm. upset. And so because they don't have that vocabulary until they get older and their brain develops a little bit more then you use the play therapy. So that's how they express their feelings is through art and through play and through, like you just said, I love that example, you know, they're doing, you know, there was a lot of fighting or aggression in some mm. of their play kind of things. And that's how they're expressing that. So art therapy, um, you mentioned CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy that usually you use like as adults, but you bring it down a level. I love that you do that. You're able to bring it down to their level and, uh, you know, use those kind of techniques for, for kids. So that's very cool. Yes, of course. Yes. So what are the advantages and maybe the disadvantages to working with children in the counseling session and compared to adults? Like, what does that kind of look like for you? Because there's obviously some really great advantages, but there's also probably some challenges that you also have to face because they're so young. Of course, I think um, advantages wise, um, you definitely get to see the child act out um, the themes live. Like the parents can come in and tell you, you know, they're they're angry, you know, when I say no, they have a meltdown or things like that. And so sometimes with adults, you don't get to see the full scope of everything because, you know, they can just, you just get a little blurb but with kids when they're playing out, you know, they're not as much aware of like, I shouldn't do this in front of the counselor. Maybe some of them are, but um, you mm-hmm. get to see them act out like in their play, like, oh, okay, that makes you really angry or mm-hmm. um, there's some changes going on in your family you don't like. And so you can, you can catch it when they're acting it out and you can give them like coping, coping tools or strategies or process it with them there. Um, and which is really cool. So it's very malleable and it, you get to see a lot of progress when you're with the child in the room. Um, I think a huge disadvantage um, to working with kids is sometimes it's really the parents are the ones who need the therapy and that child has been targeted as the um, problem in the family. And really um, we always, we know in counseling that the problem is never the problem. And so uh, (laughs) most of the time, (laughs) um, and so it's, it'll be, you know, my child, they don't know, you know, they just get angry all the time. And so then I'm exploring with the parents, you know, well, what are they seeing modeled at home? You know, do they get to see a parent who is, you know, regulated and able to process their emotions in a healthy way. And sometimes it's no, sometimes it's, you know, I see mom or dad yell and um, get angry and have big reactions. And so they're just modeling what they see at home. And so sometimes it is, um, you know, giving a referral to parents to go see their own therapist. And it's amazing when that does happen because you can see some big progress in the family um, as well. So, yes. Well, that would make sense because I think that, like you said, the problem is never the problem, but when you've got like, okay, the child is the problem when it's like the parent and what are they seeing <laughs> at their home? And, you know, are they yes. having a meltdown? You know, dad is like throwing things in the house or, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yes. 
And that's when you're like, okay, maybe you need to get counseling too. Maybe yes. that something, you know, we need to, we need to do as well. So <laughs> yes. and I love that you're able to do that. And it's such a great thing because then you're getting help for everybody in the family. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And it's never an easy conversation for me to bring up when I notice it. I'm like, okay, this may be really hard for you to hear, but you know, if you're wanting to see more progress, then this is what I would recommend. So yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, definitely needed. So what are like the top five signs that a child or a teen needs professional help from like a mental health counselor and what should we be looking for? Because I know parents are going to be listening to the podcast and I know it's all varies on their child and, you know, their temperament, but what are the five things that are like, okay, like I need to get my child in counseling. Like this is going from being a small issue to something that needs attention beyond what the parent can give. What, what are those top five signs? Yeah, I think the first one that comes to mind is definitely if you notice a repeated pattern. So for example, everybody has anxiety, everybody can have moments where they feel depressed. But if it is, um, you know, my child is, it's like every day or most days of the week, I'm seeing them, you know, get stomach pains from being sick about going to school, or I'm noticing them procrastinate a lot, or I'm noticing them you know, just, it's a pattern of whatever you're seeing, like a behavior of, you know, we all have bad behavior sometimes, but um, it's, it's that repeated ongoing pattern that just the child seems to be stuck and nothing's getting better. Counseling is a great solution for that. Um, I think too is, especially if there's a child that's experienced trauma or, and they're exhibiting PTSD signs. So, you know, maybe they're withdrawing, maybe they're there's a lot of triggers, you know, I hear a loud noise and I cry or I get scared. And usually before the child wouldn't have been before that incident. Mm -hmm. Um, So any type of trauma that the child seems to be stuck and having a lot of, a lot of signs like nightmares, recurring nightmares, or they're not getting sleep after an incident. Um, So yeah, that's a a great one to get some help. Three, if they are a harm to their self or others, of course, there may be some more um, referrals you'd have to give out as a therapist. Um, but especially if you're noticing, you know, your child is like hurting themselves all the time or, you know, they're just, they're with their siblings, they're really rough or you notice other kids in your home are getting hurt a lot or kids at school. Um, it may, it may show that they don't, they have a lot of anger or a lot of confusion or hurt about situation. And instead of, um, you know, processing it, it's getting stuck and it, you're seeing, you're seeing it with, um, you know, themselves or others. And we always want our kids to be safe. And so making sure you're getting them the help that they need so that they can succeed in life for sure. Um, I think four is, it kind of ties into everything, but if they're just having difficulty regulating their emotions, like mm-hmm. little things trigger them, um, or, you know, they just are always, always crying, always having meltdowns, um, just based and every child's going to have a meltdown, right? Like that's normal, but if it's just recurring and it's causing a lot of distress in your family, you feel stuck and you don't know what to do. A counselor is a great way to help your child learn some tools and understand what's going on inside for sure. Um, and five is it's kind of, it could be traumatic, but it's not always trauma. 
um, if the child has experienced a big change in family dynamic. So, you know, it could be they have a new sibling or and they're not handling it very well. Or it could be, you know, my mom just got remarried and now I have a new dad or I have new siblings that I don't really know. And it can be a lot for a child to to understand and learn. And so uh, maybe it's a lot of moves that they've had to go through. Um, just any big change in family dynamic. Have you noticed your child's um, not handling that very well? Or, you know, you start to notice um, things to look for. It would be like isolation, sleep problems, change in behaviors, any of those things. Um, it would be a good clue that, okay, it's time to to get my child some extra help. And of course, there's nothing wrong with having some extra help for sure, if it helps your family. Absolutely. And so I wanted to know too, um, and this is just kind of my curious thing, like how, I mean, I know it can probably will vary from child to child, but maybe how many sessions do you usually have children for? Is there kind of a, an average amount of time that you see a child? Like for example, anxiety, if a child is having some anxiety issues, um, how long do you usually see them for? Yeah. Um, so the society of play therapy, they always recommend at 20, 20 sessions is kind of like the range and it depends with every child. I've seen some kids for 10 sessions and parents are like, Oh, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of changes. I think we're good to stop. Um, so, but usually like I, I tell parents, you know, it may be about 20 sessions and maybe more and maybe less. Um, that's kind of like the standard range. Um, yes. And that includes, you know, meeting with the parents periodically reviewing treatment goals, um, hearing updates, what's going on at home, what's different there. So, um, so yeah, I would say about 20 sessions in total, more or less. Okay. So at the, that kind of a, that's a good thing to kind of think about. Do you usually see children like once a week, maybe twice a week? Yeah. Yes. Uh, once a week. Yes. Um, yeah, I think I've, I've never seen a child twice a week. Um, um, unless there's a, a crisis or something going on, that would be the only time I, I would make an exception to see somebody again. But um, it's it's once a week is and sometimes parents will say, you know, it's not really a big problem, but we're just thinking that our child needs some extra support in this area. So maybe it's meeting every other week instead of weekly if they feel like their child doesn't need to be seen weekly. So it just depends. So what are the ways that we can support children who are struggling with like a mental health concern? And I also wanted to think about this as like just somebody in your family. Maybe it's not, maybe it's not your child. Maybe it's like your niece or your nephew. Uh, Maybe it's a child that is in your Sunday school class uh, in school um, at church. What kinds of things can we do to support them when they, we see them struggling? Yes, I think the first thing I always um, tell parents and caregivers is highlight the positives you see in the child or teen instead of the negatives, because, mm-hmm. you know, we when a child has a lot of just poor behaviors, um, we want high, we tend to highlight those a lot. You know, you're yeah. you're so bad. You're always doing this. Um, I wish you'd stop it. Or so they hear that all the time and it can really affect their self-esteem like man, I do this. I don't understand why I'm doing this, but I must be just, it's just because I must be bad or, you know, I must not be a good kid like other kids. And so 
it's kind of that self-efficacy thing. Like when we're hearing that we are something all the time, we're going to be that and believe it about ourselves. And so that's something I always try to help parents do. You know, if you see, if you see them doing any small thing that's positive, maybe they, instead of having a temper tantrum for five minutes, they were able to have it for just a few seconds and they were able to be more in control of themselves. Highlight that, like highlight I noticed like, you know, you were able to, to work through that and you're able to be calmer, faster, you know, it doesn't have to be these big things, but it could be small things. And just noticing um, the more you are highlighting positives, it can really help the child with their, with their sense of self. And um, usually negative behaviors can decrease if we're highlighting more positive things for them. Um, I think another one that I always encourage um people to do when they have somebody who's struggling with mental health concerns is just spending quality time with them. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a book, I think it was in the eighties by Nick Stinnett. And he wrote, um, it was about strong families or cultivating strong families. And um, one of the things that he talked about is just spending time together. Like strong families spend a lot of time together and um, maybe based on that person, um, a common thing that I notice is, parents will be like, well, they have this interest in art, but I don't really like art or they really like (laughs) football and I don't really like it. So we just will, you know, watch a movie or something. I think it be really intentional about what does that person like, you know, like if they really like drawing or doing art, maybe it's spending 30 minutes with, with that person and just really not asking them a bunch of questions about their day and everything, but just being intentional in that time you have, like noticing what they're doing and um, being involved in that process. And just like the being with and joining them um, can really help them feel seen. And, um, and just, it's, I think it's really special and it can help somebody going through mental health concerns that, you know, it's 30 minutes that I'm not being highlighted of the, my, my mental health problem. It's, you know, maybe it's, quality time that I can just be, I can be me and I can be doing something I enjoy. And that person's also enjoying it with you. So that's a huge one. So this is, yes. So what I'm hearing is definitely positive reinforcement, Mm -hmm. highlighting all the good things. And you're so right. Like we're just, we just kind of jump on like, oh, they forgot to take out the trash or they're having a temper tantrum and they don't, but that positive stuff is going to make a huge, huge difference. So I think that's really great that parents kind of hear that. You'll hear that like, oh, you did such a good job. Like, wow, you got an A or even like you got a B. Last time you got a C, you got an, you know, got a B this mm-hmm. time. So, um, and so I, you know, I appreciate you saying that because it's like something so simple that maybe we don't always like, we kind of overlook as not being like as big of a thing, but it really is like a huge thing. And, yes. and just being intentional and spending time with, with kids. Um, and I, I'm a K through 12 substitute teacher. So I don't always get to be in the classroom, like every day with the same group of kids, but I think that's just helpful, even just in teaching, just, you know, making sure just to kind of talk about, oh, wow, that was really good. I love that. And I try to go around and kind of say that, but it's just, it mm-hmm. makes a big difference. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for teachers, right. You know, they can, they're with a child that probably has some pretty bad behaviors every day and it can really wear thin after a while. But I think if you notice, notice the positives, it can 
it can usually help uh, that relationship with that child. And um, yeah, you'll just notice an increase in behaviors. And it's so biblical, right? Like, you know, our tongue can be the root of so much evil and it's, you know, it really is a weapon. Um, and so I think changing, you know, instead of spitting, um, like instead of speaking these, like, you know, negative things all day over somebody, you know, let's notice the positives and let's help them and meet them where they're at. So I wanted to just kind of, um, wrap this up because you've given us so many good things that people are going to be listening for and going to be watching and intentionally trying to incorporate with their kids. So um, I wanted to know what are things that you would like our podcast listeners to know about this particular dynamic? And you've said so many things, but what are other things that you just kind of maybe people don't really think about or, or consider? Yeah, um, I think working with kids and um, sometimes teens too, it, it can get, get a bad rep. And especially, you know, there's a lot of people that don't want to specialize with kids or there's a lot of people that, you know, don't want to waste their time with kids. Like they're just, they think, you know, kids are annoying or like they're snotty nosed and, um, you know, why would I want to waste my time doing that? But the work is so rewarding because you can you can see a change sometimes so fast. And um, sometimes that child may be feeling valued for the first time um, in their in their life. You know, maybe they're overlooked in a lot of areas, but you get to notice something really special about them and that other people don't see. And it can, you know, you really can change the trajectory of someone's life. The fact mm-hmm. that you notice something in them that would have never been seen if, if you weren't investing and really being intentional. Um, so yeah, I think the fact that you can have such a big impact, I think I always remember some of my teachers growing up. Um, you know, I didn't see a counselor as a child, but I had some teachers that saw things within me that I wouldn't have seen in myself. And, you know, because of them, you know, it's, you know, I'm doing the things that I like to do today and, you know, um, have a positive outlook on life. And, um, I really think that when you work with kids in any setting, it could be Sunday school, it could be if you're a teacher, maybe if you're a nurse or whatever job you do, a parent too, um, mm-hmm. you can have such a big impact in their life um, and really change the trajectory of, of a child's life and a teen's life as well. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I think back to the scripture, you know, um, in Proverbs about train a child in the way they should go and when they're older not depart from it and you know but and I know that that is like geared towards parents but I think what a lovely thing making an impact in them and helping them in their formative years and you're impacting what you do impacts them as an adult so I think that's that's so beautiful and I have just loved 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 that you said that so Thank you so much, Natalie Berry. And I appreciate you spending time with me today. And I believe that this is definitely going to be helpful to many parents and many people who are working with children. So I look forward to speaking to you again. And I wanted to say thank you on behalf of all of our listeners on the Exchange Podcast. It has been a pleasure as always. Well, thank you so much, Lorraine. All right. Well, God bless everybody. Um, Have a good day.